0: Here we go. Let me see what you think about these advent calendars. Here's one. Um, this is uh, Fortnum and Macy, is that what it's called? Kind of like posh food. Does that attract anyone? Anyone interested? Uh, Dave, David had a bit of that. How about this? This is a pork scratchings advent calendar. Ben, Ben's up for that. Brilliant. Great. What else have we got? Uh, this is Dior. Not Cart Dior, as my wife um, helpfully reminded me. Um, fragrance, makeup, skincare. Uh, Set you back 400 pounds, that advent calendar. Anybody fancy it? I'm not offering it. (laughs) Andrew would like it, apparently. (laughs) Great. How about this one? This is a jewellery one. Different piece of jewellery every day. Anyone fancy that? Anybody guess how much you could spend on this advent calendar? A couple of million, not quite that much. (laughs) 20,000 pounds it would cost you. 20,000 pounds for an advent calendar. That's fun, isn't it? That's not fun. That's crazy, isn't it? Really crazy. What are Advent calendars for? Um, Advent is about waiting for something. And you look at some of these calendars, you think they're kind of telling you there's no point in waiting. Just indulge yourself now. And why are they saying that? Is it because there's nothing coming? Maybe these calendars are suggesting this is as good as it gets and there's nothing worth waiting for. Well, we don't believe that. So as we approach this Advent season... Um, It's worth asking, what are we going to be hiding behind this Christmas time? What's that? A shield. What do you use a shield for? Protection. Keeps you safe, doesn't it? What kind of protection are we hiding behind and is it enough? That's what we're thinking about this morning. And we're looking at Genesis 15, 16 and 17. Uh, Let me tell you what has happened so far in the book of Genesis In the beginning, God made the world, and it was excellent. He made this perfect paradise. Uh, But people sinned. Uh, People didn't want God to be involved. Uh, And it was terrible. Uh, The terribleness spread everywhere. There was badness growing like a weed as people hurt each other. People ruined God's world. And then, a long time afterwards, uh, we saw in Genesis 12 how God called a man called Abram. And God said to Abraham, I am going to bless you and it's going to be like paradise in the beginning. I'm going to bring back all those original blessings. What was lost, I am going to restore. I'm going to bring it all back. I'm going to bring it back to the whole world through your family. And then we come to Genesis chapter 1. Now uh, Genesis 15 verse 1, sorry. That Lily read. It says, "After this the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a, vill- in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield." your very great reward. Why was Abram afraid? You see, God had promised Abram, I am going to bless the whole world through your family. But Abram didn't have a family. He was childless. God says to Abram, I am your shield. And Abram says to him, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? See, what God says is great promise doesn't match what is happening in Abram's life. Uh, Let me share with you a very tragic incident from my childhood. Um, I was born in Leicester, centre of the universe, um, not known for its sophistication. And um, we moved to Sales in Manchester, which is a kind of slightly posher area. And we went out for dinner with a family from our church. And um, at this dinner time, the guy asked me if I wanted any sparkling water. I'd never heard of sparkling water. I had no idea what sparkling water was. So I asked him what it was, and he said, it is just like lemonade. <laughs> it's not like lemonade. It is really not like lemonade. The promise didn't match the reality. I mean, God says to Abraham, I am your shield. And Abraham says, it doesn't look like it. The promise doesn't match the reality. We're just going to pause on that thought for a moment. You see, what, what Abraham experiences is so common for Believers. What God promises doesn't match our reality. And there's a disconnect. And that disconnect gives us space to pray. So we're going to pray in that space this morning. Uh, we're going to use words from a psalm, Psalm 13, to help us to do that. And so God comes to Abraham and he says to him, I am your shield. And Abraham says it doesn't look like it. So what does God do to that? You know, God is brilliant. This is what God does. If you have your Bible open, look at verse 5. It says, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Look at the stars, he said. Who made these? God did. Genesis 1.16, he also made the stars. Billions of humongous balls of fire stretched across unimaginably great distances. And the sky is stunning when it is filled with them. God did all of it. And the point is clear. Nothing is impossible for him. God says to Abraham, your family is going to be so big, so big, too big to count. And Abraham is struck. And verse 6, he believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. And then God keeps on speaking. He says, I'm going to give you a home. And Abraham's faith wavers again. And in verse 8, he says, how can I know? And listen carefully to the doubt that he's raising here. This, this doubt that's coming up here, it's not, it's not that God can't. God made the stars. There's nothing impossible. It's not that God can't, but will he? It's not a question about God's power. It's a question about his heart. Now, I, I reckon most people think this way about God. Maybe we do sometimes. We, we know God is there, a power. Behind everything, kind of mysterious, but there must be a God. We accept that, but what we find so much harder to accept is that he is interested in me. Now, Abraham's little question, how can I know? No, no God says, I am your shield. Well, what kind of shield is he? Genesis 15 to 17, I think, unpack three aspects of God's shielding. We're going to ask some questions about this shield. Here's one. What does this shield protect from? Uh, let, let me show you some examples of some shields on the screen. Here's the first one. Uh, what does that shield protect from? Maybe not very well in that picture. but what, what? Rain, yeah, that's right. Protects from the rain, doesn't it? How about this one? The sun, yeah. Yeah, sun, sunscreen. Screens, it's a screen. It protects from the sun. How about this one? From heat, yeah, yeah. Lots of barriers put up to protect from a danger. Well, what about God? When God says, I am your shield, what kind of shield is he? What kind of protection does he give? Well, I don't know if you heard what happened in Genesis 15, but it's very strange. This is what happens. If you look on the screen, God told Abraham to get some animals. Now, Abraham knew exactly what was going on. This is what Abraham did. He cut them in two and lay them out like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. It is gruesome. It is gruesome. He made this this blood road through death. What is that? This is God being unfathomably loving. It's so strange for us, but it was a well-known custom in Abraham's times. God's reaching down to Abraham in a language that Abraham would understand to make it unavoidably clear what he wants to do. Because this was how agreements were made in those days, serious agreements, covenants. The two parties in the agreement would come together, they would agree to something, then they would cut up the animals and walk between them. And it's a way of saying, I am so committed to this agreement that if I break my part, I should be treated like these animals. What happens next is Abram falls into a deep sleep. Not an ordinary sleep, it's a sleep full of dread. And then in the night, this smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and it passed through the pieces. That was too quick, wasn't it? Let's do that again. There we go. Passed through the pieces. This pillar of fire shows that God himself is walking between these cut-up animals. God, who is most high, is the creator of heaven and earth. He's stooping down from infinite glories. To come to this dusty desert and to walk that blood-soaked path of death. Shocking. Well, when Abraham falls into his terrible sleep, he is confronted with the horror of his situation. Now, God is promising to bless Abraham. Promising he's going to restore everything that was lost in the fall. Uh, or the paradise that was lost is going to come back. But when paradise was lost, people were cut off from life. And the way back to life was guarded by a flaming sword. Back in Genesis 3, God was making it so clear that it's sin that cuts us off from him. Sin separates people from life, from God's life, from paradise. And the dread of that separation fell over Abraham in his sleep. Because in order to reestablish the blessings of Eden, the sin of Eden has to be dealt with. God is, is bringing Abraham back into that relationship that was lost, but sin had broken that relationship. Sin had brought a sword of separation. And, and, and that sin and, and all the death that follows remains hanging over Abraham. And then God comes and walks the blood-soaked path of death, expressing in a way that Abraham would understand that God will never fail to do what he has promised. And it's shocking. See, See, when one of these agreements is made, all the parties in the agreement would come together and walk through the pieces. But here, God walks through them on his own. God's saying to Abraham, he's saying, I love you so much. I love you so much that I will take on myself everything needed to keep this going. And God in doing that is promising to keep both sides of the agreement. He's promising to keep his part and Abraham's part. If Abraham sins against God, God is saying, if you sin against me, I will pay the price. If Abraham sins against God, then Abraham must face the judgment of God. God has been clear that the wages of sin is death. But then God walks through the pieces. He's saying, I will pay that price, even if it means for me to face my own judgment. God says to Abraham, I am your shield. What does the shield protect from? Well, Genesis 15 shows that this shield is designed to protect against the greatest threat. The deepest danger that faces every person who has ever lived. There's this kind of death-sin nexus embedded in the fabric of humanity. Everybody sins. Every person in every place at every time has sinned. And our sin draws to us the judgment of God. And that judgment is eternal death. The greatest danger people face is the danger of God. But God says to Abraham, I am your shield. And he shows he is utterly committed to protect Abraham even from himself. God says to Abraham, I am willing to put my life on the line to protect you. My life to protect you from my judgment against your sin. And we ought to pause on that. Because this is love. This is love that is so vast and wide and full and free. Love that we ought to sing about. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and sing about this love that is so great. The Lord says, I am your shield. What kind of shield is he? We've asked, what does this shield protect from? But what does this shield protect for? We've just been singing about it. Let's look at it. Um, If I were to make a cake, I'd be pretty impressed if I made one like this. Um, I'd put it in a tin. Anybody have any idea why I'd put the cake in a tin? To protect it. Protect it from what? Children. Children. Yes, exactly right. (laughs) Little pests. Um, That's what I'd do. And maybe from other things as well, but mostly from the children. So they wouldn't know it was there. Um, I I, I would do that because I love cake. Really love cake. And I enjoy cake very much. I want to protect it. Uh, God says, I am your shield. What does he protect for? Why does he want to protect well, we move from Genesis 15 into 16, and the number of years pass between these chapters. And Abraham's wife, Sarah, she's, she's never had children, and she's had enough of waiting. So she takes her slave, called Hagar, gives her to Abraham to make babies. It's a terrible thing. It goes badly wrong, and Hagar, she runs away. And this is what happens um, in the middle of Genesis 16. Let me read for us. Hagar's run away, and the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the, in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. He said to Hagar, he said, and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your misery. He'll be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, she said. I have now seen the one who sees me. That's why the well was called Beelahairoi. It's still there between Kadesh and Beret. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This incident is so important for us because it shows, it shows what God is like. As Hagar runs away from suffering, she doesn't know where she's going. She's lost. And we see how does the Lord respond to someone like that? Well, this is what he does. He finds her, searches for her, he looks for her, he finds her. And, and he knows her name. Speaks her name and he promises he's going to bless her. And and in that we see the heart of God. Now, why does he search? Why does he find? Why does he know? Why does he bless this girl? Well, the answer is in the name of her son, Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. The Lord hears her misery. Now God himself comes close to the lost girl in the wilderness because that is what God is like. And it makes all the difference to Hagar. She says, you are the God who sees me. She is seen. God desires to draw near to people. You see, when when God says to Abraham, I am your shield, he adds your very great reward. When we get to Genesis 16 and God meets Hagar, we see that that is true for Hagar. The Lord hears Hagar and he comes to meet her. And she says, I've seen the one who sees me. Uh, She she had what she most needed. God himself shows he is for her. And it's not just a one-off encounter in Genesis 16. It's a pattern for how God reaches to those who are lost. It's a revelation of the compassionate heart of God. But we see it again in Genesis 17 as God um, speaks again to Abram. And in Genesis 17, God's message to Abram, he says to him, I am El Shaddai, I am God Almighty, And he says to Abraham, and I want you. I want you. He says, I want to be yours. I want you to be mine. I want us to be bound up together forever so that I can do so much good to you. Now, why does God protect? What is this shield for? Well, it's because God loves. He longs to bring people to life with him. In Genesis 17, God tells Abraham that his wife, Sarai, is going to have a son. And Abraham laughs at that because that is too much. Because Sarah's never been able to have children and she's really, really old. But God promises she will have a son. And what kind of God makes a promise like that? What what, what kind of God looks at something that looks hopeless and empty and and deathly and says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to fill it up with life and I'm going to fill it up with laughter? What kind of God does that? Our God does El Shaddai, God Almighty. He says, Sarah is going to have a son, and you're going to call him laughter. You'll call him Isaac. Because that's what God does. God says, I am your shield. What does the shield protect from? What does it protect for? But this morning we need to ask: how far does this shield reach? How far does it go? In, in Genesis 17, the promises to Abraham overflow says, Abraham's going to become many nations. The blessings will be known by a great multitude of people, regardless of their status, regardless of their race. They'll be brought together and connected to Abraham. And the New Testament tells us that those people, Galatians chapter 3, those people, those who have faith, are children of Abraham. Those who have faith are children of Abraham. And listen to what that means for us right now. As we see in these passages that God says, I am your shield. God says, I will protect you even from the greatest of all dangers, even from my judgment against your sin. I will protect you and I will protect you because I love you, because I want you. I want you despite your lostness and your brokenness and your emptiness and your hopelessness. I want to be your shield. I want to be a shield to bring life and laughter to you forever and ever and ever. Those are the promises. And they are promises for all who believe. So we who believe in the Lord Jesus today, we are part of that great community with whom God established that relationship back in the dust of Genesis 15 to 17. We see how far the shield goes. See how far it goes in a little echo that's set up in Genesis 16. In Genesis 16, the Lord, the angel of the Lord meets this girl, Hagar, and he says to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Ishmael. Does it sound familiar? Well, an echo is set up. In Luke chapter 1, an angel speaks to another girl and says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And then Mary went on to sing this amazing song of praise about the tender compassions of God. And in her song, she said, God is remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. Just as he promised. So, when we get to Wednesday and Advent starts, building up to the celebration of Bethlehem, if you have an Advent calendar that suggests that you must grab everything you can now because there is nothing coming, you tell your calendar to be quiet because Bethlehem is coming. But what are we celebrating at Christmas time? Do you see how that strange ceremony with the animals in Genesis 15 connects to Bethlehem? how it connects to that manger. Do you see that? See, at that point, thousands of years before Bethlehem, when God walked that blood-soaked path of death, at that point, he was committing himself, irrevocably committing himself to pay the price for the sin of his people. At that point, when that burning brazier passed through those cut-up animals, God was binding himself, binding himself to stoop down from infinite glories, not just in a vision, but in person. Because if God is going to pay the price for blood, he had to become a man with blood like us. If the immortal God is going to die, he had to be born in mortal flesh. You see how far the shield goes. As we anticipate Christmas season, as we think about it, with everything else that goes on, we must ask, what does the manger mean for me? What would you say? What does the manger mean for you? If we connect it to the events of Genesis 15, we can begin to grasp just a little of how far, how far back God's love stretches. We ought to look deeply into the birth of Jesus. And when you look into that manger, can you see God saying to you, I am your shield. That's how far God will go to keep you safe. That's what he's saying. This is how far I will go. God's saying, I will lay aside all of my heavenly splendor. And I will come and I will live in frail flesh. And, and I will be the man of sorrows who lives in poverty. And I will come to live for one reason and only one reason. I will live to die. And I will die for one reason. I will die to save my people from their sins. Because that's how far I will go to keep you safe. Because I am your shield. And this shield is personal. God isn't giving a shield. God is the shield. God in Christ wraps himself around you. He envelops you away from every danger. Imagine a child who's in great danger, a child who's stuck in the midst of a fire. And then their parent rushes upon them and their parent wraps themselves completely around the child. So that while the fire might burn on the outside, inside the embrace, there is safety. This shield, God in Christ, is the gracious and all-sufficient protection from everything and anything that will threaten our eternal happiness in God. So do you see this morning how far this shield goes? You see, it goes to all who will believe. All who will trust themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ confessing their sin and seeking mercy. And there is so, so much mercy to be found in Jesus. So what about you this morning? Now, If you are trusting Christ today, then this is true for you. Now what is true for you is that for ages and ages, God Almighty has planned to envelop you in the protection of an all-sufficient Saviour. You see how, how, how deep and how wide and how long and how full is the love of God for you in Christ. That God loves you. He is your shield. Will you rest in him? Will you rest in him? Let's pray together. God Almighty El Shaddai, we praise you for your indescribable gift your precious son, the Lord Jesus. Praise you that we have in him a refuge, a shield, a safety from all things. May we know and see and feel more deeply your great love for us in him, the great safety we have in him. And may we rest. Because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.